0: Listener Production.
1: We talk a lot on this podcast about creating a great garden space, but those design skills can also extend into what you do inside the home, creating a great indoor-outdoor flow.
0: You want to have an overall theme, and that can then flow out into the garden.
1: Hi, I'm Charlie Albone, and in partnership with Still on this episode of That's How We Grow, I'll be catching up with Juliet Love. Juliet has an incredible eye for design and it seems a pretty good eye all round because she also happened to marry me.
0: We've got this little strip that is specifically for growing fruit and vegetables at home, right? And you've now filled it with flowering plants that you can't eat.
1: I've put herbs down there and one salvia in there.
0: I'd like a little bit of that space back,
1: please. At home, I leave the inside to Juliet and she gives me space in the garden. Today, we'll chat through how these spaces can merge and work together. Someone who's making me quite nervous, Juliet. how are you?
0: I'm very well, but I'm surprised to hear that you're nervous after 13 years of marriage. Are you? (laughs) Well, I know, you still get butterflies and all that. I'm I'm nervous because you
1: actually have to answer the questions I'm asking rather than just ignore me.
0: (laughs) I'll try, I'll do my best. Uh,
1: So everyone knows you from Better Homes and Gardens, of course. Tell us a bit about your career.
0: My first job was with Vogue Living magazine, which was a dream for me. I started off as the office junior and then quickly sort of made my way to the styling department and that was incredible training. Spent a few years there and actually studied interior design formally after that. So I sort of did it the other way around, but I knew after I'd worked at Vogue Living that I really wanted to pursue a career in in design. Went and studied interior decorating and um, had a pretty diverse career. I've done a lot of styling and also residential and commercial interior design and obviously now TV work.
1: Yes. And tell me, how did you get into Better Homes and Gardens?
0: <laughs> they didn't want
1: you because of me, did they? Oh,
0: you want, you want me to say, oh, it's all because of you. Yeah,
1: I do want you to say that.
0: Well, um, I think in life, it's often about timing. Tara Dennis had left after being with the show for a very long time. And they asked me to come in and do a screen test, which I did. They really threw me in the deep end. I managed to screw a bedhead that I was making into the table below. It was like a comedy sketch. I was there were twenty five people behind the camera, and I'm talking, talking, talking. And then I went to lift up the bed head, and it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't come up. It was attached to the table below. I must have charmed them because I, I, I got the job. But anyway. it
1: isn't your first foray into television? Is it? So, what listeners might not know is you and I met working together, uh, doing a TV show, which lasted all of one series. I yeah, think so. six
0: shows. It was a very sweet little show, The Party Garden.
1: I think it was a great concept. I liked the whole. I do upper garden. You have a party in it.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, it was great fun. I had a great time.
1: Yeah. No, let's just say when we met, you were swept off your feet and you thought I was amazing.
0: I I don't lie though. So no, let's not say that. All right, you go and
1: tell a story We went to the
0: screen test. That was the first time we ever met and I'd never done television. I was very nervous. I'd prepared and I'd gotten lots of rest and you turned up and you'd been, you were very hungover. And I remember driving away from the screen test thinking, A- What a guy. (laughs) (laughs) A, how is that guy on TV? And B- he's so rude. But I wasn't impressed. It took you a little while to sort of work your way back up to a no, point that I would go. No, it took me a couple of weeks. Okay, okay, a couple of weeks. It was weeks.
1: all part of the plan. But you're also a health coach, aren't you?
0: I am. So that sort of came about because after we had our second son, he's just turned nine, so it must have been about nine oh, years ago. Oh, is he? Ago. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so just after he was born, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and there was no family history. It came out of nowhere, complete shock. It's quite a life-changing autoimmune condition. I instantly had to go on multiple insulin injections a day. It's 24-7 management. And I thought I'd been quite healthy before, and I guess I was. Autoimmune conditions can happen to anyone, but I wanted to just arm myself with as much information as I could. Mm-hmm. So I studied through a school in New York by a correspondence called the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. Absolutely loved it. Studied for a couple of years and did in nutrition and health coaching. And For a while, I sort of thought interior design and health coaching are so different, but actually I've realized they're actually really intertwined and I'm all about well-being in the home and your surroundings have such a big impact on your emotions, your mental well-being. So I think they do tie together quite nicely.
1: What is it you like about interior design and styling?
0: I'm definitely more um, of a stylist uh-huh. than a spatial designer. I like the pretty things. I like make, coming in and sort of making a room gorgeous with accessories. And I think you can have a beautifully laid out room, but it's not until you add in those decorative elements. That's when it sort of comes to life for me. And that's when people can tell their own story and show their personality through those decorative elements.
1: So how do you work with the connection with indoor and outdoor? Because like interior changes with different styles, right? You can change it by changing the cushions or changing something on a shelf. But a garden, you can't really do that because you're talking about changing plants and planting styles and that takes time to establish. How do you you make that work?
0: I think, you know, in Australia, we talk a lot about seamless indoor, outdoor spaces. And I think one of the best ways to do that is maybe changing the opening out onto your garden. You might want to do big French doors or have lots of glass mm-hmm. to sort of bring the garden in. And I think when you're starting out designing your home or decorating your home, you want to have an overall theme and that can then flow out into the garden. So if you've got a coastal home, then coastal planting or, you know, you might have sort of an industrial-style home and then you would do
1: cactus, I was going to say, yes. Cactus, yeah, yeah, you could go cactus. I yeah. was going to try and throw you under the bus though. <laughs> <laughs> I think access to a garden is often underlooked. If you notice with our place, it's like flat and the kids use it all the time. But when we lived in the last house we were in and there were stairs down to that garden, they hardly ever went out.
0: That is so true. And that the entrance out into your garden from your home makes a really big difference.
1: What is your favourite part of our current garden?
0: Oh, the sauna, for sure.
1: (laughs) So nothing to do with the plants all out, just a bit of furniture, the sauna part.
0: Actually, no, to be fair, it is the planting. And I think just in the last few months it's really looking magnificent it's, well, it's been in for own, a year now yeah 12 months and mm. the growth is yeah it's just it looks beautiful and it looks like it's been there forever now it's for a small garden it's a very usable space we've got the grass for the for the dogs and the kids we've got somewhere to eat and then we've got the obviously the pool and the pergola so you you, you fit a lot into a small space
1: what don't you like about it
0: well you didn't really meet your client's brief At the beginning, which was, I wanted a huge 12-seater table so I could entertain.
1: But you can't have everything. (laughs) And we had this conversation that I have designed it. So if you get a 12-seater table, which we don't own because you can't fit 12-seater table into the back garden, but say we were to do it or to get a large trestle table, you can put it sideways so it goes between the lawn and the... Paved area, so it's all flat. That's why that bit's flat. That's why we dug out so much to make that flat.
0: But we've never done that, have we? So you're saying. That's because we
1: don't entertain with 12 people. We don't know that many people.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, now that I know that, perhaps I'll invite 10 people over.
1: So if you could have your ideal house and garden, what would that look like?
0: Well, you're the one, I love our current house. You're the one that keeps saying, oh, we need more room. Because
1: I've got bored with the garden already.
0: Yeah, I do love I do love where we're living now. Um, And we've transformed it really from red brick semi into a sort of a very coastal, pale, bluey-grey weatherboard home. But I think ideally, I like quite classic architecture. So I think, you know, maybe something more European. I want to say almost like a Tuscan, Italian sort of home. stone and that, almost looking like it's been there for years.
1: See? Yeah. So if someone wanted to achieve that look in their home, how would they go about it?
0: So classic details and classic features, which I always say to people is the best place to start anyway because if you subscribe to lots of, trends, you're constantly having to change things all the time. Mm -hmm. If the foundation of what you're doing inside is classic, then if a trend comes in that you love, you can then add that in through some small affordable accessories like cushions or maybe an artwork or something like Mm -hmm. that. If your main you know, your larger pieces of furniture and that sort of thing are are classic, then you can't go too far wrong.
1: And you are very good at style on a budget. I have seen the Kmart receipts. Uh, How do people do that in their interiors?
0: Yeah, I'm not at all ashamed of a chain store buyer, that's for sure. Although I'm trying to be much more conscious about not buying into that whole fast fashion thing. Uh And I'm definitely more conscious of that in the house as well. And I think to get that style on a budget look, it's a matter of mixing high and low. So if you have everything that's kind of cheap or inexpensive then your house will look cheap but if you have a couple of gorgeous pieces in the room like a really beautiful expensive ceramic lamp or you know custom with a custom made lampshade or a really expensive piece of art or a beautiful piece of furniture that elevates the rest of the room so you need to create balance so that it's not the focal point actually one of the best ways to do this if you is if you take a, a photograph of the room and you might need to just sort of rejig the layout so that the piece of furniture isn't just front and centre. You need to sort of make it seamless within the rest of the...
1: I didn't yeah. know that one.
0: Yeah. Well, if you take a photograph from various vantage points in the room, it should stick out pretty quickly if there's something that is dominant or something that's too... I mean, you do want a focal point in the room, but you don't want multiple focal points and you also don't want something that's really distracting or taking all the attention away.
1: More often than not, people overstyle something. Like, they keep putting too much in. How do you know when to pull back and take that one thing out?
0: Yeah, again, you can take photographs to create those beautiful vignettes. Say you're styling a bookshelf or something like that. My number one rule is don't overcrowd it because it's just too overwhelming to the eye. Displaying things in threes or fives, uneven numbers, works really well. And plants are a really good styling tool as well. It's so good for you to have plants inside. There was a NASA study a few years ago where the research came out that I think it's about five House plants in an average size room mm-hmm. that is way more effective than an expensive air purifier. You know, house plants not only look beautiful and are calming in the home, they also cleanse. the air. Yeah. yeah
1: you know, the best oh, yeah. ones are chlorophytum, which is actually a weed, oh. spider plant. You can buy it as an indoor plant, but don't plant it in the garden.
0: Wait, do we have one of those? Spider we have plant. it at the end of the bed. Oh, okay, yes.
1: I kick it every night. I go out to the bathroom, <laughs> stuff my toe on it. Peace lilies are also high up there as well, as is mother-in-law's tongue, Sansevieria, which looks like a succulent. So people think, like, you wouldn't imagine that purifying the air, would you? You always think of, like, lovely, lush, tropical things as good air filters, but the mother-in-law's tongue.
0: How interesting, because they have quite sort of slim, long
1: Yeah, flat, panelling yeah. leaves, yeah.
0: We have some of those as well. We do. And they do look like a succulent, and you're right, they're surprising inside because you wouldn't think something like that would grow inside, because succulents need lots of Sunlight,
1: right? Yeah, they can handle a bit more shade. Right. So we've got them also down by the front entryway in that low garden bed that's on the north side, but because there's the fence, it doesn't get any sunlight because, you know, there's a fence in the way. And the variety moonlight is quite nice. Quite okay. low growing that yes. case, nice, in there. They
0: yeah. do look very pretty there. And
1: how often do you water them? How often <laughs> do you water the houseplants?
0: I don't think I've done it once.
1: No? No. No. You haven't done is that. It once. Is that
0: you that does that or do does- does the, or do the who children else? do that? It's not the
1: children. But it's certainly not the elf on the shelf, that's for sure. Now, seeing as you're quickly becoming the indoor plant guru in our house who doesn't water anything but <laughs> likes to pick them, do you pick them for uh, their properties, like their air-cleaning properties, or is it more a uh, shape and texture?
0: Well, coming from a stylist background, I'm going to say I generally choose them for the look, but I consult with you quite a lot. One of my favourite indoor plants to style with is a, is it a pathos, pothos?
1: Yeah, devil's ivy, pothos. Devil's ivy.
0: And it comes in a few different greens, which I love because you can sort of work it in with the colour scheme. Mm
1: -hmm. Also indestructible.
0: And it is so hard to kill. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those plants that even I can keep alive. And the thing that I love most about it is that it's, it's a trailing plant. So if you pop it up on a bookshelf, for example, it will start to sort of grow down and it gives you that lovely soft, sort of flow. Cascade. Down. Cascade. Uh, Did you know
1: also, and you will know this because it's in our house, it sticks to the walls itself?
0: Well, I was going to say, or it that one in our, in our house that's much bigger is growing up the wall, but you can also, I've seen them on, you know, with a, with a support yes. and they'll grow up that. So you can kind of get them to grow whichever way you like and they have a really lovely leaf shape. Yeah. And they're kind of glossy, and you, it comes in like a lime green, or there's a deeper green, or I think there's even a variegated one. There is. Um, and then I also love Madonna lilies or peace lilies. Yep. They are a go So very
1: easy to look after.
0: And then at the farm, we have a fiddle leaf fig. And, but do you remember what happened with that? The, so nice. it was when fiddle leaf figs first came in. A, well,
1: when they are super ago. trendy, yeah.
0: You couldn't get them anywhere, but I desperately wanted one, ended up getting my hands on one. And put it inside within, it was literally weeks, it was, the thing was dead. It was like a, a stick in the middle of everything, everything had died off. Yep. So we put it outside. I just went and put it up by the shed, I think. You did. And then a few months later, I went back and looked at it and it was triple the size. And now since then, I mean, this is a couple of years now, but it's it's as tall as the shed, isn't it? It's huge. It so that just goes to show if a plant is in the right position...
1: Exactly. It will grow. Not many plants have evolved to live indoors. Like, if you go to a cave, you're not going to find plants living in the cave, are you? And yeah. that's what inside is. So, especially not a fig tree that wants to turn into a big, like, they're, that's a big tree, a fiddle leaf fig. Yes. So, they're very hard to keep alive inside. Right. Being a health coach as well, how do you think that has impacted your? Styling.
0: I do love the fact that mass produced furniture is sort of on the way out, mm-hmm. and people are preferring to use items that they might find in a secondhand store or a vintage store or buy at an auction, and then either, you know, upcycle it and, and do something else with it and make it their own, or just leave it as, it as it is. And if you're not doing that, I think choosing there are lots of companies now who are doing great things with sustainable furniture or home Mm -hmm. decor, and I think just make conscious choices.
1: It Um, can be tricky outdoors because anything that's been outdoors for any period of time normally gets destroyed by the elements. Yes. But if you look for FSC timber, that means it's sustainably sourced timber. Yes. So if you're looking for outdoor furniture, that's the thing to look for. Yeah,
0: and then it will last for years and years, right?
1: should do if you look after it and oil it and do all those wonderful things you do to furniture on Better Homes and Gardens, then yes, it should last longer. And
0: that's the thing with your decor inside as well. If you choose... Really beautiful pieces of furniture that are going to stand the test of time. You don't then have to keep outlaying money and throwing mm. things out on the sidewalk and going into landfill.
1: Yes. Uh, do you think the kids are going to take after either of us?
0: Well, they're both very creative, and Hart absolutely loves gardens, doesn't he? Like, he does. loves plants. He will go out on the weekends. I'll be looking around for him and he'll be outside planting or talking to the plants or something. <laughs> he does talk to them. Um, yeah. And he's really into cuttings at the moment. So he's doing lots of Cutting's from succulents, isn't he? Mm. And even inside he's got some, I don't even know what you call them, like the plants that are growing in water. Pothos. Yeah.
1: The devil's ivy. Um, them in water, roots growing, and then he needs to take them out and put them into a plant pot. Pots.
0: Pots now. Do it again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did you know that actually speaking to your plants and playing certain types of music will help them grow?
0: I'm sure I told you that and you laughed at me.
1: It's jazz and classical. Yes. But I just can't, I can't bring myself to talk to plants. We also have a property on the central coast, which is a much larger garden. So it's about an acre of garden around the house. Those gardens are very different. That's a much more country style to, say, somewhere in the city. How do you approach designing two different styles like that? So you've got like a country style and a city style. Is the design principles the same?
0: One of the questions I'm asked more than any other is how do you find your design style? And I think quite often the location of the home will you know, help to inform that. So mm-hmm. obviously our country property, we've decorated it in a fairly English cottage style, I would say. Rustic. But I think to help you finesse or find your style and the style that's going to sort of last you forever in your home, there are so many images you can find now online. Pinterest is a great resource. Even Even Google, the other algorithms are amazing. So if you have some idea of styles that you like, but you're not quite sure which road to go down, you might like a Hampton style, for for example, you type that in and then you see a few images you like and you click on those and then it will keep finding you lots of images. And I think if you print those out and start sort of narrowing down which ones are your are your favourite, that can be a great place to start in in working out the style that you should decorate your home in.
1: And how important is it to stick to one style?
0: Well, this is also a good question because I think people get very confused because of course, it's human nature to like lots of different things and lots of different mm-hmm. styles. And I think in the world we live in now we're surrounded by images mm-hmm. and so it's easy to go, oh, well, I really love that minimalist style but I also really like that Hampton style home. And I think the best thing to do there is, again, find lots of images and then try to identify within those images what it is that you really like about the about the room or about the photograph and then you might actually find that it's similar things, even though they look like different styles on the page, it might be a similar thing that is drawing you to each room. Like both of them might be full of natural light or have white walls. Or So try and sort of identify those things that really speak to you Mm -hmm. and then use those in your own home.
1: How do you play with scale and proportion when you're designing something?
0: Yeah, so scale and proportion are so important. Having that balance in the room and symmetry is is essential and – playing around with floor plans is a really good idea. So even if you've been living in your home for 30 years, drawing out the room, measuring it out and then drawing it out freehand and then Mm -hmm. playing around with moving your furniture around often can be a really good idea because you might not have thought about moving your sofa to the other side of the room, but it can work really well. And you obviously need to have traffic flow within the room as well. So
1: Most couples aren't lucky like us, you know, where I'm always right. Um, When they're (laughs) designing their interior or garden, uh, if they're doing it together, how would you recommend a couple to to kind of work through that process when one of them isn't always right like me?
0: Yeah, that's tricky. And we're asked that a lot, aren't we? Mm. How you sort of – because, again, people might have completely different styles. And I think it's just a matter of communicating and getting together and kind of coming up with the best plan. And I think when we first met, we had quite different styles. I remember you loved – more of a sort of an informal, you know, English cottage garden style. And I was much more formal. Formal. Yeah. And loved hedges and um, classic decor. And I think over time, we've kind of met in the middle. And actually, the outcome is better because we've found that balance. Yes. So I think communicating and, you know, making a list of your priorities, like what you really want from your home or your garden.
1: If there was an area of gardening you would like to know more about, what would that be?
0: Oh, I'd love to know more about growing your own produce. Like that's something that I really want to learn about. Because every time I try and grow herbs, even they just end up dying.
1: Planning is the key, and COVID was a great example of this, where everybody thought I'm gonna I'm gonna hunker down and grow all my own food, and then put seedlings in, and then wait. Had to wait. 12 to 16 weeks, and they're like, ah, I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, it's really important. And uh, Joe Griggs, former guest of the show, will grow 80% of her vegetables. That's unlikely for everyone. So you just need to start small, I think.
0: I think growing your own vegetables is something that everyone should sort of be trying to do because it really, you don't need a huge amount of space either, do you? You just, no. even if you have a balcony pots. garden,
1: you can do it in pots. Pots. And if you have young kids, I highly recommend. Getting them started into it.
0: Even getting kids getting their, you know, city kids, especially these days, aren't even putting their hands in soil anywhere. And for your gut microbiome and for your general well-being, they say that kids need to get their hands into some soil. So it's calming for your nervous system, but it is also you get all that good bacteria on your hands and then it's, you know, and they even say a lot of the fruits and vegetables that are grown now, the soil is so depleted Mm. that we're not, it's just not, we're just not, getting the same level of nutrients that, that, say, our grandparents would have.
1: Is there any other questions you would like me to answer for you that you've been burning questions? You think, I just can't do it. I'm just too embarrassed. But now you can because we're face to face with microphones in front of us.
0: Well, I'd like to know why you won't let me have more space in the garden for my herbs and vegetable batches.
1: Whilst you are away last weekend, I put a mint in a pot for you. I put sage in a pot for you. There's parsley and there's basil.
0: Well, I haven't seen those yet. So... Perhaps I pointed my them to you, to you <laughs> and,
1: and <laughs> <Garden>. <laughs> the only thing you said was, "No, we need to rip out that lovely in flower salvia, looking fabulous, because you wanted to put something else in there." Because you've, and put... we have, you know where the pool fence is, and we got thyme either side of it to really soften the bottom. Yes,
0: Perfect. that's lovely and so nice. Actually, this is a great tip. Okay, halloumi with that thyme and honey is that not one of the best things you've that's ever? That's a eaten? great tip.
1: Nothing to do yeah. with interior design, or well, but
0: uh, it's to do with gardening.
1: It's to do with eating,
0: yeah. But, <laughs> but that time is great because it looks beautiful in the garden, but it's also yeah. great on and with chicken. Yes, so very good. But wait, back to the we've got this little strip that is specifically for growing fruit and vegetables at home, right? Well, yep. not well, herbs and mm-hmm. veggies. And you've now filled it with flowering plants that you can't eat.
1: I've put herbs down there and one salvia in there, a dwarf one that's in flower, which is great for pollinators that okay. you need for your vegetables.
0: All right. Well, I'd like a little bit of that space back,
1: please. You're welcome to it.
0: <laughs> okay, great.
1: All right. Um, would you like to do some community questions with me?
0: Sure. Well,
1: you can't really say no, can you?
0: I'm, I'm here now.
1: So, yeah, you've, okay. you've changed
0: right. me to the desk under here. So. Well, that is
1: coming up. You don't get to experience the community questions yet. I what really like them. Like People write in and ask questions.
0: But what do you mean? I don't get to experience.
1: Them. Well, I, you know, I come here and I, I answer these community questions, and you know, never listen to anything I do, so you wouldn't know that I do them. <laughs>
0: how dare you? So rude. I do, of course. I love this is my f- number one podcast.
1: <laughs> okay, first question is from Ella in Brizzy. Hi, Charlie. My yard is getting destroyed by my staffy. He is constantly digging holes in random spots on the grass. Any suggestions on how to stop this?
0: Well, we know all about dogs digging holes in gardens, don't we?
1: Well, they don't. They only dig when they're bored. I would say that Dr. Harry would suggest that your staffy is bored and needs more exercise.
0: Yes. And also, the first time Darcy, our um, one of our dogs, dug a hole under the pool fence and got into your the precious part of the garden, I'll call mm. it, you really told him off. And because our dogs are cockleers and don't like to be told off, he hasn't done it again really, has he? So, no,
1: he hasn't. He's, yeah. he's scared of my deep, angry voice.
0: But yes, Dr. Harry would probably say the, the dog needs more exercise, I'd say. I
1: would say so. Second question is from Bianca in Sydney, and I think you'll enjoy this question, Jessie. Hi, Charlie. I love how you and Juliet have such a complimentary style. My hubby has a beer neon sign and a stop sign in our backyard. How do you negotiate with your partner on styling the home and back garden?
0: Oh, wow. I
1: wouldn't have anything as silly as that in <laughs> in the garden, would I?
0: Oh, no. Only a monorail carriage. Say what? <laughs> <gasps> yes, the monorail carriage, which... Um,
1: it's a piece it's, of Sydney history.
0: It's not my favourite thing. It's it's a bit of an eyesore, but you're promising that it will look nicer now that you're growing roses all over the outside of it, but there's at the moment yeah, like one tiny little rose bush at the bottom of the...
1: You haven't seen it recently. The Pierre de Ronsard is in full bloom ah, looking magnificent.
0: Listen to you speaking French. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, it's a, this is a tricky one because... I always say with design you need to b- surround yourself with the things you love and if you love it well then it doesn't matter if, it, if no one else does but I think when you're living with someone you need to sort of find a happy medium so maybe let him have one or two things and then
1: and you can have <laughs> your monorail it, carriage at that.
0: Yeah well with your well with your monorail carriage I <laughs> I, we just kind of hit it, didn't we? We,
1: we have, didn't I'll admit it's ugly, but it is a piece of Sydney history. And when you, my granddad came out, he loved going on it. That was his thing. Of all the things in uh, in Sydney, not the Harbour Bridge, not the Opera House, was the monorail. Wow. And now the monorail is no longer. So it's a nice token to him as well.
0: Imagine how proud he'd be right now, knowing that you have a <laughs> monorail, car. <laughs> you actually own a, an old monorail carriage.
1: I won't tell you how much we could get for it if we sold it for scrap.
0: No, No. you best
1: not. Okay. Next up, Amy in Sydney. I've moved into an apartment and have a dog. I need to add some plants and life to the place, but want to make sure they're safe with the dog. Are there any plants I need to avoid? And do you have any plants you recommend I include? Philodendrons are common houseplants that are poisonous to dogs, especially if you have something like the staffy that is digging, it's probably going to chew it and, Mm -hmm. and get quite sick. The pothos devil's ivy that you've been talking about is a great option. With any plant pots, they are going to be obviously in pots, so that's going to keep them away from a dog. If you raise them up a bit, our dogs don't really chew our plants, do they?
0: No, Lulu likes toilet rolls. Yeah, <laughs> she somehow always finds the toilet roll. When it's you know in the in the bin of, in the bathroom. But um, apart, <laughs> apart from, from that, that, not, not really not really plants. Okay. But uh, that's interesting because I knew that there were quite a few plants that cats can't. Yeah, are li- lilies,
1: c- lilies are poisonous to cats.
0: Yeah. So but dogs, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right.
1: Philodendrons. Okay, last question is from Sammy and Waga. Good day, Charlie. Love the podcast and your dancing.
0: <laughs> He's lying.
1: Excuse me. <laughs> people loved my dancing. They
0: did, no. I'm I just I those guessed.
1: people don't exist. <laughs> uh they're in my mind. Uh we're trying to make our yard seem a little more lively. I'm thinking of buying a nice sculpture or something similar. What are your thoughts on art in the garden? What do you okay. think?
0: Okay. Not a huge fan of art in the garden because I think, I mean, sculptures are beautiful. We have a gorgeous pear sculpture that we bought in the Southern Highlands that is made from horseshoes, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's really beautiful. And it we we represents
1: our engagement. We bought it for we, each other when we, we, we engaged. Did, which is we nice. did,
0: and it still looks beautiful in the garden. I'm not a huge fan of the mass produced stuff that you see in certain hardware stores, I'm not going to name the hardware store, but you know, you see some sculptures or, you know, yeah. I think it has to be tasteful, but really for me...
1: By tasteful, do you mean expensive?
0: <laughs> well, no, it doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be... Because
1: a horseshoe one wasn't expensive.
0: No, it wasn't. No. no. And it was beautifully made and it's yeah. lasted, what, 14 years or something. Yes. But for me, the planting is almost the sculpt... Like that should be sculptural, I think. So... Yes, yes. Sort but of planting
1: is, is always changing as well. Like it's always growing or it's flowering or it's budding or it's new. So sculpture's more of a steady steady a, steady, a yeah. steadiness to it. Yeah. So you can have a nice effect if you've got like a sculpture surrounded by hedging or something like that. Which True. would be nice.
0: And the other thing that I love in gardens, and I don't know if you describe it as artwork, but as an accessory, I guess you'd call it in a garden, is Mirrors, like large arched French mirrors. That's
1: because you like looking at yourself.
0: Like an aged mirror. Oh, how dare you! No, you know that sort of European look with aged. Yeah, but you've got to be careful
1: because if you keep catching your eye when you're in the garden, like your own eye, it can be off-putting.
0: Yeah, so it needs. It's about the placement, but that's like anything with design. It is that. That's part of it.
1: I guess. You win on that one. Finally, how can our listeners follow you? And do you have anything you want to promote?
0: What do you lots. mean? They can follow me on social media. Is that what
1: you mean? No, I mean, like, what's your address? <laughs> 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 no, well, if, if people want to follow my you,
0: address, on... they then
1: have your address as well. Yeah, that, yeah that's true. Social uh, media, handles.
0: Juliet Love.
1: That's it. And yeah, that?
0: that's you're not happy because I haven't changed my name after all this time. But how can I let go of the love?
1: Juliet Love is a great name. It's Thank you. a little better than Juliet Albone or Allbone. So there's obviously lots of ways you can bring plants into. The house, you've got an ingenious way yourself, though, don't you?
0: <laughs> well, I do. Funny you should mention that. I have my own range of organic bamboo bed linen. And as soon as I came across bamboo as a textile, I knew that I wanted to work with it. And I've just designed this range with an Australian company called Bamboo House. And it's just really beautiful to sleep in. It's buttery soft. It's got lots of natural properties like it's thermoregulating, it's hypoallergenic, it's naturally antibacterial. And you love them, don't you?
1: Great sales pitch there, you Great. I like I <laughs>
0: love for bamboo house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like them because they are sustainable. Like bamboo doesn't degrade the soil, uses less water than cotton, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's fast growing. So it's, a, yeah. yeah, great.
1: And a reminder you can send through any questions you have. Just email me, charlie at au. Great. And what's for dinner?
0: <laughs> what are you making me? Oh, she's good.
1: She's good. Thank you.
0: You are welcome
1: on the next episode of That's How We Grow. The thing I'd really want to really master one day is to have my own veggie patch where I can be like the Martha Stewart. I'll be catching up with the amazing Deborah Hutton. I just love being in green. I mean, I think that's what I love so much about being on the the South Coast is you've got that plus, you've got that beautiful ocean. I'm Charlie Albone. See you next time.
0: Listener